Hello and welcome to this exclusive podcast from lisaduffy.com. I'm your host, Lisa Duffy, and today we're going to visit with Chris Easterly, a friend of mine who's an award-winning screenwriter and author of the new book, Falling Forward. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, this is Lisa Duffy with lisaduffy.com, and welcome to this podcast that I'm so excited to bring you. I'm going to be talking with a friend of mine who um, is a great Catholic, he's an author, he's an award-winning screenwriter, and I'm really excited to have him discuss his new book because I think, especially for the men, it's going to be really eye-opening and it's going to bring about a lot of consolation, I think, because it's about the male perspective on divorce. I know that most of you who are listening to this have been through a divorce or maybe you're trying to help someone who's going through a divorce. And I think um, it's important to find the right content to plug into the right things to feed your mind and your heart and your soul with and that's why I'm so happy to have uh, Chris Easterly with me today let me tell you about him Chris is a TV writer based in Los Angeles he's a graduate of the Warner Brothers television writers program he's written for the Fox drama series past life and Cartoon Network's first live-action drama unnatural history He's adapted Beverly Lewis's New York Times best-selling novel, The Shunning, into a feature film for the Hallmark Channel. Chris has also taught TV writing at his alma mater, the University of Kentucky, and he's a part-time writing instructor for Act One, a screenwriting program in Hollywood. So I want to welcome Chris Easterly. Thanks so much, Chris, for being with me. Thank you. It's great to be here. So um, tell us about the book that you've written because it's really, really important. Um, yeah. First of all, I just want to say, again, it's great to be here. I, I know uh, a couple of years ago when I was in the thick of my divorce, I used to listen to your podcasts um, when I would go out for jogs, and uh, they really encouraged me. So it's an honor to be here now um, talking oh, to you on the podcast. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I appreciate you allowing me to come on and talk. Um, I think the origin of the of the book I wrote, uh, just came from when I was going through my divorce. Um, I, you know, was desperate to find books that would encourage me and just let me know I was going to get through it. Um, but for some reason, all of the books I found had titles like when he leaves and runaway husbands and a woman's journey through divorce. And, you know, so I, I snatched them up and I read them and they had a lot of great insights. Um, but I just wondered why there weren't more books written by and for men. Um, and, uh, to be, to be fair, I found a handful, um, but most of them were sort of more clinical. They covered things like, you know, how to secure the best attorney and your, mm-hmm. you know, retain your financial assets, and, and they didn't really explore the emotional part of it. Um, so I just thought, well, you know, I can't find a book like that, so I guess I'll just write one. Um, so <clears throat> I just chose to uh, kind of, you know, instead of writing it as like a self-help book, you know, with chapters like finances or sex or, you know, like I just decided I was just going to tell my story and hopefully in hearing my story, other people will recognize their own um, because, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an expert in the sense that I'm not a, you know, a clinical psychologist or I don't have a degree in marriage and family therapy or anything like that. But, you know, I guess sadly I'm just, a, I'm an expert in the sense that I'm just one more guy who's, who's gone through it and, and survived it. Sure. Sure, the University of Life, 
or in school yeah. of hard knocks. And <clears throat> when you get a degree there, <laughs> um, I think it's I think what you're saying is very important because um, it's great to have those credentials as a professional, but sometimes the professionals don't have the um, knowledge that someone you know who has gone through a divorce has. I often liken it to a cancer patient talking to a cancer survivor. You know, they have kind of their own language. Um, the cancer survivor understands very well what the cancer patient is going through and they can, uh, he can offer support quite well in a way that a relative may not be able to, someone who hasn't yeah. been through cancer. Yeah, that's a great point. It's kind of that <clears throat> idea of uh, Henry Nowen talks about the wounded healer, you know, that you... Um, I think there's a quote, I'm paraphrasing probably, but it says, uh, in love's service, only wounded soldiers can serve. And uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, oh, yeah. You know, you, that you minister to people out of your own wounds. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I'm glad that you um, wrote this book. And, you know, just kind of, I, I really love to tie things like this in with um, what Pope Francis said some months back. He called the Catholic Church um, the field hospital after the battle. And um, it's so important that we as Catholics, we get out there and find these wounded people, especially if we are wounded. I think that, you know, as you say, the wounded healer is, is the best one. And um, why do you think, you know, given what Pope Francis said and the need for works such as yours, why do you think there are so few, few books written for men uh, who are going through a divorce as compared to books written for women? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, I think sort of generally divorce makes people uncomfortable. You know, it's like a, a death in some ways and it's like you don't know exactly how to talk about that and, you know, it's not something you want to bring up at parties and that kind of thing. Um, but I think especially for men, um, I mean, all these things I'm saying are sort of stereotypes, but I think they're stereotypes because they're true, but men don't like to be seen as weak or vulnerable, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think, like, if you, <clears throat> you know, if you have to write a book about your divorce, then basically you're admitting that you've failed. Um, and, you know, the, the guys, I guess, don't like, to, you know, women don't like to fail either, but, you know, I think a lot of guys see their sense of self-worth tied up in their... Um, success and so the divorce sort of forces you to say you know not only could I not you know provide for my wife and kids like I couldn't even hold on to them you know like what's wrong with me um and so I think having to having to admit that you're weak and vulnerable you know isn't very comfortable and so that's probably why a lot of men don't want to talk about it or write about it um and there were you know there were times when I was writing my book and I would go back and read what I had just written, and I thought, man, I can't publish this. This is crazy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, like, it's like I can't let people know I was this insecure or this is what I was thinking or feeling, but then I just figured, you know, <clears throat> it's like if you're going to tell a story, you know, if you're not going to be honest, then why even write the book? So um, exactly. I just figured I would just put it all out there and hope people can, you know, relate to it. Exactly. Well, I think that's... Um, I think you hit the nail on the head, and it seems like it's difficult to get men to a support group. So would you say that that's kind of the same reason why? Because they don't like to be seen as, as weak, and uh, that might be one reason why? 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, I went when I was going through my divorce. I went to a divorce care group at a local church. Um, I only went to a couple of couple of uh, sessions. Um, I just kind of slacked off and got busy with stuff. But you know, I know that that there were even in that group there were more women than men. Um, and I think again, it's because you know it's just hard to admit that you're weak in front of other people. Um, and it again, it forces you to admit that you something's broken that you can't fix. And I think it's another stereotype, but men sort of want to fix things. Sure. Um, you know, whether it's a flat tire or, you know, a spouse's bad day at work when they come in, like you want to say, all right, how can we, how can we resolve this? How can we fix this? Um, and a divorce is, is something broken that can't be fixed. And so you're just sort of stuck with that and you're, you're helpless and it's not under your control. So I think again, yeah, that makes it hard. Um, that that is yeah one reason why it's difficult I think to get men into a support group for something like that. Mhm, mhm. You know, um, when I was years ago, when I was directing the Journey of Hope program, um, I did one that was specifically for men, and it was the only one that I've ever seen be specifically for men, and the only one I did myself, but. I saw an interesting dynamic take place in that group. So I was leading the group and there were six men who were attending every week and then I had a deacon from the parish sit in. And uh, I noticed on many occasions that as the conversation was going on, if I explained something to, you know, if we were talking about a specific issue like forgiveness, we'll just say, and I was um, talking about that, the deacon would inevitably kind of turn around and kind of translate what I said into men speak, which I thought was uh, actually quite funny. I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but it was like he was the, the middleman, the translator, because I, I don't know, maybe I was sharing in fluffy terms or um, more emotional terms than they might have been comfortable with. But I definitely noticed that the deacon would kind of reiterate what I said in a different way. Um, that, and everyone's head would shake and it was pretty funny. But I wonder too if that's part of the deal if with women being involved in a support group you just don't feel free to share um, as freely as you would if if it were all men. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah, that's that's interesting that he he kind of had to sort of translate it into man speak. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is uh that's that that is interesting. Um, <clears throat> I think guys typically aren't you know big on the sort of self help uh, terms like closure and you know uh, mm-hmm. vulnerability and that kind of thing. Like when they get together, they talk about their work, their career, or sports, or movies, or whatever, but uh, they don't typically break down in tears and talk about mm-hmm. their innermost, you know, fears and concerns. So, yeah, I think that's that's pretty pretty interesting. Okay, well, I'd like to get back to your book um, and ask you a couple things about that, but I just wanted to, before we did that, um, give you the opportunity to um, just talk about your ex-spouse and how um, she may feel about the book. Yeah, it was uh, important to me that she read the manuscript. Um, 
and I, when I was writing it, you know, I, I let her know that I was writing it, and um, actually one of her friends, a sort of mutual acquaintance, uh, contacted me because she saw on my Facebook that I was writing a book, and she sort of said, you know, just be fair, you know, make sure you're fair, you know, I, I trust you, but, you know, don't make this a hit piece, and so I kind of reassured her, you know, that this book was never meant to be a sort of salacious tell-all, you know, it, it, it's mm-hmm. not a hit piece, it wasn't meant to tear anybody down, but to build people up, um, so, <clears throat> yeah, it was important to me that my my ex read it, and uh, and she did, she read the whole manuscript, and, um, you know, it was hard, and she said she went through a box of tissues, and, you know, um, it's not an easy thing, but she said that she felt like, you know, she hopes that it can encourage some people too, and so she kind of signed off on it, which is, uh, you know, which is good. Yeah, that's admirable. So many people don't uh, have any regard for their ex-spouses or ex-partners or whatever it is, and they just uh, throw it all out there. So I commend you for doing that, and I think it, it lends a lot more credibility to the book that way for sure. Yeah, I hope so. I think, you know, it's in, it's important. I think it's also sort of, I, I don't know if I would say another sign of healing maybe, but, you know, uh, two, you know, two years ago I wouldn't have been able to write the book because I was still too angry or, mm-hmm. you know, hadn't resolved it as much as I have now. So I had to kind of wait till I got to a point that I could write it um, where it wasn't, you know, sort of filled with, tinged with uh, bitterness and resentment and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I sort of needed that detachment to be able to tell the story in a way that was that showed grace to everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. What do you think is the most powerful chapter, in your opinion, in the book? That's a good question. Um, I uh, would say maybe it's the next to the last chapter, I think, um, called Taking Ownership. Mm-hmm. And it's just about uh, just what it says, taking ownership, you know, that you, the only way you're ever going to sort of make peace with your with your ex and with yourself is to not put all the blame on them. Because in my divorce, um, there was infidelity on my wife's part, and that sort of, you know, was the, the thing that led to the whole shattering of the marriage. And um, <clears throat> But it would be really easy for me to sort of point to that and say, well, that's why we got divorced, you know. Mm-hmm. But that wouldn't be accurate, and it wouldn't be fair because there were things that I did that contributed as well. And so, I think it's just important. It's really important to say, you know, here's take an honest look at yourself, and like this is where I went wrong. And you know, she made mistakes, definitely, but I made mistakes too. And um, until you're honest about that, and then decide, like, okay, I made mistakes, but I own those now, and I'm going to move on and do better in the future. You know, then if you if you can't get to that place yet, then you're still kind of working on it and there's more healing to do, I think. So I think that chapter is important in that sense, that it's a sort of looking in the mirror moment and saying, okay, you know, this is this is my part in it. Mm-hmm. It takes two to create a marriage and it to, takes two to create a divorce, basically. Yeah. Even though one may, one of the spouses might be much more at fault. They both had issues. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's and that's a great um takeaway from a a book, especially, you know, one about divorces. You just don't want to live the life of a victim, um, because that's no way to live. You're constantly blaming someone else or other people for what's wrong in your life. And if you can 
stand in front of the mirror, look yourself in the eye and say, I, I was to blame too. I, I think so many people would be so much better off if they could do that. That's a great message from that book. Yeah. Well, I, I talk in that chapter about, well, in an earlier chapter, I talk about how um, there was a, uh, <clears throat> a journal that my ex had written um, before we married, she had written it to her future husband, and it was, you know, letters to her future husband, and she gave that to me on our wedding night, and, you know, that was a precious gift, and um, when we were, when I was going through the divorce, I remembered that I still had that, and it was just so painful to hold on to, mm-hmm. um, that I remember getting up in the middle of the night and going out to my garage, and I picked up that journal, and I just, uh, I didn't, you know, I just wanted to get rid of it, um, because I felt like it was sort of haunting me, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I drove to uh, just to like a public trash can and wrapped it up and threw it away and uh, just, you know, sort of washed my hands of it. And, you know, that was one of my lowest moments and just broke my heart. But I remember in that Taking Ownership chapter, like I talk about how three years later I was looking through a box for a book or something and <clears throat> and I came across this little framed photo of me and my ex, um, uh, hiking in a park and we were smiling, you know, and it was, and I looked at it and there was a tinge of sadness, but I didn't feel the urge to just like destroy it, you know, <laughs> to like yeah. throw it in the fire or something like that. And so to me, that was a sign. It's like, okay, I can look at this. I can feel sad, but it's not the sort of white hot anguish of the early days of my divorce. It's just sort of a poignant feeling, you know, and then I can just sort of tuck it away and move on. So you know, that was another sign that more healing had happened, I think. Excellent. That, that's great. That's a great point. What would you say are the three best ways to help a guy who's going through a divorce? I would say the first thing is just be available. I think the biggest thing that helped me was just knowing that there were other men I could turn to um, who would just, again, not try to fix it, but just let me talk. Um, mm-hmm. I had buddies who I could just go out for a beer or go out to lunch and just talk about my situation and they would listen and uh, empathize and encourage me and there were two friends in particular who had both been divorced and both of them their wives had cheated on them so they were really able to know where I was coming from and just being able to talk to them and have them reiterate to me you know what I was feeling um, was hugely helpful just to know that I wasn't alone and that mm-hmm. here were two guys that had gone through it and they had survived it and they were happy again and one of them's remarried. And so I think just being available to a person um, to let them talk um, and then also inviting them out to do stuff, uh, whether it's, you know, go to the movies or go out for a run or um, just to get out, you know, and they may not always feel like it, but that being in that community makes a big difference because um, there's, a, there's a time to be alone and grieve but that's too much time alone can be unhealthy. So I think it's important to, you know, invite somebody who's going through that to, you know, just go out and just go hang out, go for a jog, let's see a movie, whatever. Um, I'd say the, the third thing, which is probably the most important thing, is if you're a person of faith, you know, that you you should keep going to church and keep seeking God. Um, I, I know that was important to me. Um, I never... Fortunately, I never felt like God had abandoned me during my divorce. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was angry and I was grieving and I didn't know why it was happening. And um, But I always felt like he was he was there. Um, and so I 
made it a point to try to go to mass every Sunday and at least every Sunday and because uh, I never knew when I might hear something in a sermon or you mm-hmm. know or hear a scripture reading that was going to encourage me and and sometimes all I could do is just sit there in the pew feeling lonely you know because I used to sit next to my spouse um, mm-hmm. and then you're sitting there and you're divorced and you see all the other couples and yeah. you know it's kind of depressing but um, but it was important to be there um, so I would say if you're you know if you're a person of faith, like go to a priest, go to um, a deacon or just somebody who's sort of spiritually older and wiser who can talk to you um, and help you spiritually too to let you know that God hasn't abandoned you. And, uh, you know, I, I talk in my book about crutches. One of the, the chapters is called Crutches, just the crutches we use to get us through things. And, you know, God was definitely like the biggest crutch that I leaned on, just knowing, you know, I don't know how I could have gotten through my divorce without knowing that there was a God who cared and that my suffering might ultimately prove redemptive, you know, that there might be some good that could come out of it. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent point. Um, I, when I was first going through my divorce, I think I struggled so mightily with the idea that God had allowed my divorce to happen that I, I did kind of go it alone for a little while. And that was... Oh, <laughs> those yeah. were the dark years, <laughs> and they weren't actually necessarily years, but um, there was a very dark period in my life, and something I'd never repeat ever, because uh, it's true, you know, God is, I, I, I agree with you, I don't know how anybody can get through that kind of devastation without God, uh, without that kind of uh, hope that, you know, this too shall pass, and and. God has something better for me. And, you know, it's not that you need something better after your divorce. It's just that you need to know that the pain will end at some point. Um, You'll always be sensitive to memories, like you were pointing out, but it doesn't have to destroy you. So, and I think that God's grace is responsible for most of that kind of healing. Yeah, I think so, too. That light might be very dim sometimes, but at least there's a light there, you know. Yeah. If you have a relationship with God that you know that there's that there's hope and ultimately that maybe there's even a point to it all. Even if you don't yeah. figure out what it is in this lifetime, you know? Yes. Absolutely. So, um kind of quickly, what are some of the worst ways to help someone? Or to help a guy in particular? I found that one of the things that was unhelpful me it was uh friends who would criticize my ex um, ah. mm-hmm. in one in one sense like when you have a buddy talking to you and they're you know sort of trashing your ex and yeah she's a terrible person you forget her you know you don't need her and like part of you sort of feels good because you know because mm-hmm. it's like oh my friend you know they're in my corner <clears throat> but also it's like but that doesn't really help because my heart's broken you know and like mm-hmm. i'm i'm hurting and that's not helping my grief. And, and the thing was, like, I still loved my ex, you know, when I was going through that. And, like, I didn't want her to suffer. And so I didn't want to hear some... In a weird way, it's like, well, I've been married... I was married for seven years, and I'm used to defending her and, yeah. uh, you know, supporting her. And so to hear somebody tearing her down, it's like, yeah, I know she did something awful or whatever, but I can't, you know, this, this isn't helping me, you calling her this and that, you know. Um, right. It just doesn't... It's not productive. Um I think also 
you know, some of my friends tried to fix me up with dates. Um, and, again, they're coming from a good place. You know, their intentions are good. Um, but I've I had friends who said, you know, it's been, whatever, it's been a year. You need to get out. You need to start having sex. You need to do this and that. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, um, but it's like, you know, they, they don't understand that it's sort of, if they've never been through that, that they're, uh, that healing, there's no fixed timeline for healing, you know, that we're all different. Um, and we, you know, we sort of move at our own pace. And so I, I think it's not helpful to, to tell somebody to move on when, when they're not ready to. Um, did you have, and plus, did you, have... plus you, know, you know, to me as a Christian, like, that wasn't going to help me anyway. I'm not going to go out and just, like, start sleeping with everybody, you know, to make me feel yeah. better because that's just going to cause a lot more <laughs> Problems. Did you have guys uh, telling you you're so money and you don't even know it? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so um, those two are good things to stay away from. Yeah, I would say so. Cause it, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, do you have um, – let us know where we can find your book – and if you have um, anything else going on, like a blog or a website or anything. Okay. Um, yeah, the book is available exclusively through Amazon right now. Um, so if you just go on Amazon.com and uh, type in Falling Forward and Chris Easterly, you'll be able to find it. And it's available in uh, Kindle version, which, which can also be read on like iPads and Android phones and stuff. But you can also get a physical copy. Um, and I'm I'm working on getting it out to uh, uh, different pastors and churches because um, I thought you know it might be helpful for sort of small groups and churches and divorce recovery groups. Um, so I'm just kind of in the process right now of getting it out there. Um, I just published it in December, so sort of in the early stages of uh, of getting it out there. But right now it's on Amazon. Um, I don't I don't have a website or anything. I have a Facebook page for it. Um, Falling forward, a man's memoir of divorce. So you can find info about it there as well. Awesome. That's great. And, um, you know, as I mentioned before, Chris is a pretty talented screenwriter, so hopefully we'll be seeing more from you there too. That would be exciting. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm working on a feature film actually um, that I'm developing that I want to shoot sort of an independent film this summer, so that's kept me busy as well. That's exciting. Um, I, I wanted to bring up annulment. Um, yeah. Just because I'm in the process of going through the annulment paperwork right now, and I've I've only been Catholic for a few years. I, I grew up Baptist and then became a Catholic a few years ago. Uh, me and my ex, when we were married, we both joined the church, and so the whole concept of annulment was sort of new and foreign to me, um, because I thought you know if you get divorced, you're divorced, and then you just move on and start dating and find a new spouse. But you know I. I try to, you know, take my faith seriously, and I realize that annulment is an important thing because it essentially uh, acknowledges that you, you, I guess, you never had a a marriage, a sacramental marriage, in the eyes of the church, um, and that it's important to make sure that you have your marriage annulled before you really fall for somebody else. Um, so I just wanted to point out that I, I think that's important, and I don't really talk about that in the book because the book was more just about my story leading up to. Uh, the sort of collapse in my marriage and how I got through that. Um, and it wasn't about annulment, but, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe that'll be my next book. So <laughs> in oh, some ways, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, in some ways, like the story's not over. Um, mm-hmm. 
just because we're going to see what happens uh, with the annulment. But I don't know if you have any thoughts you want to add about that, but I just wanted to point that out. Well, that's a great point. And, um, you know, with uh, Pope Francis, things are, you know, changing with the annulment process in a good way. Um, I think a lot of those changes are going to take quite a while to, you know, become standard practice. But um, I think that it's important to be patient with the annulment process. Be patient with the paperwork because it is uh, an arduous task. Um, it, it can be painful to revisit some of the memories and things like that, but it's so important because it's, you know, there's a cleansing that takes place and I hope that's what you're experiencing, Chris, right now. Um, that kind of uh, ability to face the truth of what happened and then close that chapter of your life and set it aside and only pick it up if you need to or want to. Other than that, it's just a a previous chapter of your life and you're able to move forward. That was really my experience. Is that what you're experiencing? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it's been a healing thing. And I think what you just said about closing the chapter sort of <clears throat> points to another thing I mentioned in my book, sort of an insight I got going through all this was just that, uh, you know, your divorce may mark you, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't define you. So, mm -hmm. you know, di divorce is part of my history now, but divorce is not me. Um, right. So I think, yeah, the annulment process is just going to be one more thing that sort of adds to the, the closing of that chapter in my life. Yeah. Well, uh, it's all good stuff. I'm, I'm thrilled with what you're doing. I think uh, this book is just really, really important, and I hope a, a lot of people pick it up and read it, not just men but women too, because it would be helpful to... Um, here, the, the male perspective for a woman. So um, thank you so much. Thank you very, very much for coming on. And yeah, thank you. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. And um, we will be having more podcasts in the future. Please visit lisaduffy.com as often as you can to see what new things are available. And thank you for spending time with us. God bless. Mm -hmm.